Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. The second reading is taken from Matthew chapter 12, which is on page 978, beginning at verse 38. Then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a miraculous sign from you. He answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a miraculous sign. But none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah And now one greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And now one greater than Solomon is here. Well, good morning. Welcome. Great to uh, have you with us. Uh, my name's Andy. If we've not met, it's great, to, uh, it's great to see you. I hope to meet you at the end. Do, um, do turn back to Jonah chapter 2 together. We're going to spend the next bit of time looking at that. And um, let me say as well, if you're, um, if you're a scribbler, there's a bit of space on the back of the service sheet with a couple of uh, sermon headings on there. You might find it helpful um, to have that with, uh, uh, in front of you as well as we dive into the passage. And um, let me just pray for God's help. As we, uh, as we begin, shall I? Our oh, Father God, we pray that this morning you would help us to see and hear very clearly what's here in front of us in the text. 
Help me to explain it faithfully. Help us all as we hear it to see more of you and your character and your son, Jesus, and also more of ourselves, that we would be full of thanks and praise and respond in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, um, let me ask you a question this morning. It's one that uh, I have found um, searching this week. Uh, And the question is this. How much do you want to see other people come to know Jesus Christ? How much do you really want to see other people come to know Jesus Christ? It might be that you're here this morning and you say, Andy, I'm, I wouldn't call myself a Christian at the moment. Actually, I'm really, I'm just, I'm here looking in at things. And I think there might be something to Jesus, but I'm not even quite sure that, that I want to follow Jesus, let alone other people. And, and let me say, if that's you, you're really welcome. and We're really glad you're here. There are always people like that amongst us. I hope we'll see in Jonah too some compelling reasons why you would want to follow Jesus and know him for yourself. So stick with us. But if you're a Christian here this morning, just think about that, uh, that question for a moment. How much do you want others to know Jesus Christ? Um, uh, statistics suggest that uh, the spiritual needs in our region are very great. About 2% of people in South Yorkshire will be in a church of any description this Sunday And um, there are great gospel opportunities, uh, like uh, the church graft coming up uh, in Uterbridge. Another stat for you, um, I heard this week that around a third of the world's population live in parts of the world where there are so few Christians that they are effectively unable to hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we hear about these things, whether it's the needs in our region or the needs in our world. And as Christians, we, we know that the mercy we've received from God is something we should want to share. But if I'm honest, the thing that I've discovered this week is that very often these spiritual needs don't move my heart with a restless passion to go and to speak in the ways that they ought to. I think about great gospel opportunities like the one in Uterbridge, and in some ways, um, I find it easier to think of the reasons not to than in my heart to be drawn to go. And my question for us this morning is, what will move us to be a people who go, whose hearts and mouths are open to speak of Jesus and to go and to pray and to give and to all of these things? It's one of the great themes of the book of Jonah. Jonah, of course, uh, Israel in the Old Testament was supposed to be a light to the nations. And Jonah, of course, was sent to go to the great foreign city of Nineveh and to tell them about the Lord. But, but Jonah really didn't want to. And he ran in the opposite direction. And the book of Jonah, in many ways, is the story of how God began to bring Jonah back and open his heart and his mouth. And it shows us more of who God is and his purpose for the message of his rescue to go to the world 
But of course, Jonah's quite a complex character, isn't he? And um, even when he does go in Jonah 3 and 4, he goes with a reluctant heart and, um, uh, and he's angry towards God in lots of ways. And so one of the things that Jonah 2 does, as well as showing us what turned Jonah around, is also hold a mirror to our hearts and help us begin to understand some of the reasons that we could receive mercy ourselves but be slow to speak of it to others. And so let's see what we learn from Jonah 2 this morning. And the first great lesson is that God's grace is very great. God's grace, his undeserved kindness, his his love that is prepared to rescue from death, his His capacity to reach down and save people is very great, we see in this chapter. Uh, Jonah had run from the Lord. We left him at the end of of chapter one, having the sailors throw him out into the stormy seas to die. Rather die than know God, Jonah in Jonah chapter one. But have a look at chapter one, verse 17. The Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah And Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. Now, let's be honest here. As modern people, this is a story that we find hard to swallow. Oh, come on, it wasn't that bad. Come on, Paul Williams can't have all of the dad jokes, okay? We live at the end of a century of, of remarkable anti-supernaturalism. And so when people read this, this story, they, they speculate, is it a work of fiction? Is it a sort of parable about how Jonah was feeling or the situation in Israel or something like that? Um, or, or maybe if they're more um, inclined to take the Bible historically seriously, maybe they, they look for evidence of other people who've been swallowed by, by fish and have survived or something like that. But... Well, I just wonder if that's actually to miss the point of Jonah chapter 2. Because Jonah chapter 2 is showing us God's rescue through a dramatic miracle. It's one that the Lord Jesus in that reading from Matthew 12 speaks of as historical. But it's not an everyday thing. It's a dramatic miracle. And look, if you come to this story with the starting assumption that there is no God and therefore there can be no miracles, of course you'll be closed to the possibility that this could happen because of your starting assumptions. But if it's just possible that the God of the Bible exists as the Bible presents him, well, the Bible presents God as completely in charge of his world. Uh, He's not bound by the impersonal uh, laws of nature. He is the law of nature, The Bible says that that last breath that you took was only because God was sustaining you in his hand. And if that's true, then this great fish in Jonah chapter 2, it's just one of God's things. God has no problem controlling his world, and God rescues Jonah in a miraculous manner. And here we have in Jonah 2... Chapter 2, verse 1, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God... And I don't think we have to imagine Jonah in the fish with his parchment and pen composing this prayer, this psalm, uh, there and then. I think more likely this is something Jonah wrote later um, that, that sums up and describes his attitude as he cried to the Lord from in the sea and in the fish. 
And um, the standard of the, uh, the, the, the structure of the prayer works like this. There's an introduction in verse two. There's a verse that describes Jonah's journey down to death, verses three and four. A verse that describes God's rescue as he reached down and pulled Jonah out in verses five to seven. And then a big conclusion at the end in verses eight to nine. So let's look at it together. Um, Verse two, he said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help and you listened to my cry. Now, I don't know if you remember all the way back in 2010, one of the big news stories of that year was 33 miners in Chile who were trapped inside a a rock fall in a mine for 69 days. And um, a number of them were Christians, and the headline of the story, one of the headlines that I remember very vividly, um, was a quote from one of the miners, and it just said this, When a man cries out to God, the Lord will lift him from the pit. That was the headline. When a man cries out to God, the Lord will lift him from the pit. And that is exactly the burden of Jonah's prayer here in the introduction. He cried out to God, and God heard and rescued. That first verse describes Jonah's journey down to death. Have a look again at verse 3. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I've been banished from your sight, yet I'll look again towards your holy temple. Jonah had run from God, and it had taken him down, down, down to death. When we run away from the God of life, All that is left for us in the end is death and separation from God's presence to bless us. I've been banished from your sight. And Jonah here, as he sinks to the bottom, is given a taste of that separation. He's he's a whisker away from death, but he cried to the Lord. And the next verse describes how God reached down and rescued Jonah. Verse 5, the engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed wrapped around my head. You can picture him, can't you? Sinking to the bottom. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you in your holy temple. God had said to his people in the Old Testament that if they were in trouble, they could call out to him towards his temple. When a man cries to the Lord, the Lord will hear his cry and lift him from the pit. And of course, um, God has said to us that the true temple, Jesus Christ, we can call out to him in Jesus' name. And here is a God who, in his kindness, reaches down and rescues Jonah from Jonah's self-willed death. And here's here's Jonah's conclusion, verses eight and nine. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I vowed I'll make good. Salvation 
comes from the Lord. Do you see the big point in that contrast? I find it so easy to, to cling to things in this life that cannot save us. We think that money or career or uh, relationships or any number of other things will keep us safe in life, but the only one who is kind enough and powerful enough to rescue from death is the Lord God. Salvation comes from the Lord. And of course, Jesus in, Mark, in Matthew 12 um, says that this miracle, this sign of Jonah, is like a, a picture, an illustration of what he would do by being in the tomb for three days and three nights and then rising again. See, God has made it quite plain that he is the God who can rescue us from death. Jesus died to take our death and the separation from God's presence to bless that we deserve. And he rose again to demonstrate that he can bring life beyond the grave. And Christian, that is your story as like Jonah, we should be full of thanks to God to see that that is the story of the Christian faith, that we run from God and he reaches down into our death and rescues us. Easy, isn't it, to think that the people around us are doing okay? But Jonah too reminds us that only the Lord is powerful enough and kind enough to defeat death. See, we may not be trapped in a mine shaft with just 69 days or so to live, but all of us face that reality, don't we? That our life will end with death. And if we run from God, separation from his presence to bless us from eternal life. But God is a God who reaches down and rescues. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. And Jonah, full of thanks, went to Nineveh, thrilled to tell them about Jesus, uh, about God's salvation that pointed towards Jesus. Except that's not quite how the story goes, is it? Because Jonah does go to Nineveh, but he goes to Nineveh reluctantly and angrily. And Jonah too raises a question for us. Which is, um, which is how it is that we can be deeply thankful that God has reached down and pulled us up from death, but also slow to share that mercy with others. Uh, there are some big surprises in Jonah. Um, Jonah 2 shows us that God's grace is greater than we often think. Just have a look at some of the surprises in this prayer with me for a moment. Uh, have a look at verse 3 with me again. Verse three, Jonah says, you hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. And I said, I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. Now, I've been wrestling with this prayer quite a bit in Jonah 2 this week, because um, this is not the prayer we might expect Jonah to pray I mean, if you were here last week, or if you know Jonah 1, is Jonah 3 and 4, is it a fair summary 
Jonah 2, 3, and 4, is it a fair summary of what we've seen in Jonah chapter 1? Jonah feels a bit like the Premier League footballer who kicks someone and then throws himself to the floor as if he's been injured himself. And Jonah, you ran from the Lord and you told the sailors to throw you into the water. And yet here he's saying, God threw me in, but I cried out. It's just slightly jarring, the lack of confession here. Jonah, Jonah in Jonah chapter 1, he was like a child who goes to his parents and says, Mum, Dad, I want your stuff, but I don't want you. Frankly, I want you as far away as possible. I wish you were dead. And yet that is the man that God had reached down and rescued. But we don't get much of that confession in Jonah chapter 2. Jonah almost positions himself as a sort of bystander in his own salvation. And it, it jars as we read it. As readers, it, it makes us stop and think, Jonah, have you quite read the situation right God's been merciful to you, but he's been far more merciful than you think he has. He really has. And it makes us stop and ask the question ourselves. Christian, are you ever ever tempted to just at least start to think, yes, God saved me, but at some level, I deserve to be saved. I'm the sort of person who who probably ought to be saved. If we think that, we'll be very happy to receive kindness from God, but we'll be much slower to pass it on. And it's only when we see with clarity that we're like that child who said to his parents, I wish you were dead in the way that we treat God but that God reached down and rescued us anyway. That our hearts are filled with thankfulness and they're opened, our hearts and mouths are opened to speak, to go. Christian, are you, are you tempted to forget how far you'd run from God when he came after you and saved you? He was very merciful to you. And then again, verses, verses 8 and 9, are quite, the, the conclusion of the prayer is quite surprising as well. Have a look again at verses 8 and 9. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace, the kindness that could be theirs, but I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I vowed I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord's. When I was growing up, my mum loved those um, spaghetti westerns. Do you know any, anyone, anyone else w- grow up watching those sort of films? And they're all in black and white. And when you're a kid, it feels like they last about six hours or something like that. And they're not, they're not subtle stories either. Um, in a spaghetti western, you know who the good guys are because they've all got kind of like white cowboy hats. And all the bad guys are wearing black cowboy hats. And so from the word go, you know which side someone is on from the minute they first come onto the screen. And Jonah kind of has this view of the world. There are those who cling to idols, and there's me who, who, who prayed to you. 
And again, think back to Jonah 1. Who were the people who worshipped false gods in Jonah chapter 1? It was the sailors. But it wasn't a story in Jonah chapter 1 of sailors who hopelessly clung to their, their false gods and Jonah who bravely prayed to the Lord, was it? The sailors were very quick to turn and to pray to God and Jonah was very slow to do it. Christian, can we be tempted to have a mindset where we look at those far off from salvation, yes, those who've run from God, and to think somehow we're wearing white hats and they're wearing black hats, that that there's a salvation for insiders and something else for outsiders, when actually the gospel of Jesus is that we were all wearing black hats Every one of us living for other things. Every one of us saying to God, I want your stuff in the world you've made, but I don't want you. And Jesus willingly came and died and rose again to take hold of people like that and rescue us. People like me and you and the least likely person you can think of. And Jonah 2, it just it jars as you read it, doesn't it? And what Jonah says in verses 8 and 9 is, is completely orthodox. It's true. If you cling to anything other than God, it cannot save you from death. Only the Lord, only Jesus can give you eternal life. But the context in which Jonah says it, well, it lacks perspective, doesn't it? Because Jonah 2 Jonah himself is one who needs to cling to a God who saves every kind of person, a God with a purpose to reach down and rescue black hat people from every tribe and tongue and nation, people like you and me and the least likely person you can think of. I was talking to a student about this this week. We were looking at Jonah 2 and talking about um, evangelism. And, um, and he said something I thought that was just blisteringly honest. I had to respect his honesty. He said, um, uh, if I'm honest, the people I am least likely to talk to about Jesus on campus are the, um, the kind of LGBT activists who are out there on campus. And, and partly it's because I worry how they might respond, that I might get a hard time for it. But, but if I'm honest, part of it is just that they seem so far off from the Lord. They'd have to make such big changes if they came to him. And, uh, <laughs> and so I don't speak. And I had to respect his honesty because if, if I'm honest, I can think of people I am very slow to speak to about Jesus because they seem so far off. And if we have that sort of white hat, black hat view, insiders and outsiders then we've missed how radical God's kindness is. Because every one of us, every Christian, was a rebel against God. That God reached down and rescued in Jesus. You and me, and the most unlikely person you can think of. It is a miracle that God saved us. I fill you with thankfulness.
to see with clarity that God is a God who rescues every kind of person. He even rescues Jonah, the self-righteous and reluctant prophet. And when we see it with clarity, these jarringly ironic verses, they help us see how great our salvation is. If God could rescue someone like me, how could I not speak? How could I not go? How could I not give if what he's done is that big? Salvation comes from the Lord. Let's pray. Our Lord God, we pray that you would convince our hearts and minds of just how great your kindness to us has been and the extent of your grace throughout your world, that we'd be full of thanks and praise, but more than that, that we'd have hearts and mouths that are open, that we'd be people who go, who give, who pray, who proclaim. In Jesus' name. Amen.